AP Podcast is sponsored by Epitaph Records, the home to Bay Area Popcore Sextet Set Your Goals, whose sophomore album and Epitaph debut, This Will Be the Death of Us, is in stores now. The album features guest appearances from Paramore's Haley Williams, Newfound Glory's Chad Gilbert, and more. Catch the band on the AP Tour Fall Ball alongside label mates Yumi at 6, starting September 24th in Pittsburgh. And folk punk troubadour Frank Turner, whose previously import-only Love, Ire, and Song was made available in the U.S. for the first time ever last month. The British singer-songwriter just finished a U.S. tour with The Offspring and will be returning to America this fall to support the Gaslight Anthem. Learn the lyrics now so you can lose your voice singing along in the pit later. For more information on these and other new releases, go to epitaph.com. sure which one is more fun watching a band you despise crash and burn or a band you love go from nothing to super something and knowing that they've earned it from concert ticket sales and record sales and merch sales and all the other sales it can pretty much be determined that the latter is how a lot of the fans of suburban baltimore's all-time low view that pop punk prankster quartet Funded by guitarist Alex Gaskoth and Jack Barricat, and backed up by bassist Zach Merrick and drummer Ryan Dawson, the band, birthed out of a practice space homage to Blink-182 and Newfound Glory, now called those band's members their friends. Which is why All Time Low is in a very interesting spot in their career right now. At least looking at it from the outside. Well, pseudo-outside. Uh, you know what I mean. Despite having just had their latest record, Nothing Personal, debut at number four, get that, number four in the Billboard Top 200, the band is being very careful to keep their business relationships between their past, their present, and their future all cooking at the right temperature and not boiling over or burning up. Back amidst the scene, so to speak, they're trying to keep things strong and believable. Like in, well, do they really believe my website blog is their favorite website? Or are they just kind of saying that? And among the power people gatekeepers that are left, I should say, they're doing what they have to do to build newer relationships further up the ladder by schmoozing radio station people, MTV people, and late night TV staff all over the place. Now, it sounds a lot easier to do than it is. And if you don't believe me, go look at how well Fall Out Boy has tried that fine line for the past three years. Two EPs and three albums into their music output, All Time Low are now pretty much a household name, depending on how much one's mom has the 17 again hots for the permanently buffed Dawson or Merrick. In 2007, they were trekking around the country in a van, trying to cram as many bodies into 400 capacity clubs. Spring of 2008 already had them co-headlining the AP tour, hello, and by the summer of 2009, and actually less than 12 months later, they were headlining Warp Tour and outshining Fall Out Boy on their own headlining tour this past spring. Oh, and one more thing. Uh, they were AP's Band of the Year for the year 2008 as well. Ain't bad. So where do All Time Low go from here? A Grammy nomination or a Teen Choice Award? Theme song for the next James Bond movie? 
or maybe the next National Lampoon movie soundtrack. A book deal with photos by David LaChapelle, or just a lot of Twitter updates from Alex talking about how much he loves drinking a bottle of wine every night on the tour bus. Well, again, that's the fun part. Kind of like watching a reality TV series without everything being staged and pre-scripted. I do wonder though, now that they've crammed collaborative work with Matt Squire, Butch Walker, David Bendith, Sam and Sluggo, and The Dream onto this latest record of theirs, will they go the opposite direction with their next album and just self-produce the whole thing themselves? That answer obviously remains to be seen, but in the meantime, while we travel down this road together with All Time Low, we all kind of do know one thing. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch these guys grow up. Or try to. This is Mike Shea. Too much love can be too much We had too much time, too much us So we fought like tomorrow was promised There is a little secret in the music industry about uh, the fact that you can kind of... Uh, people that work for you, the musician, will uh, have an idea about three or four days out where you may end up in your first week sales. And so it kind of takes away the buzz, mm. you know, but you never really know. Right. Uh, and uh, so I'm just kind of curious for the record, where exactly were you two <laughs> when you got the official word via text, email, phone call of the that number four placement on Billboard? Like, where were you? We were in a dressing room, actually. I was in my bunk. Oh, you were in your bunk? It's 3 a.m. David Bennett texted me. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's 3 a.m. on Tuesday morning, and uh, David Bennett texted me excitedly saying, congratulations, you guys are number four. Yeah. And uh, I was, I rolled over and went to sleep with a smile on my face. <laughs> that was it? Yeah. You didn't get up? I didn't tell anybody. Spray paint the bus? It was, my little, it was my secret for like three hours, four hours, until everybody else Well, kind of Well, we kind of lost, lost a buzz because a day before, before the Wednesday... I think it was Tuesday morning. Keith was like, "You guys have already confirmed 60, 61 or sixty-two, right?" So we we're like, "Wow, that's awesome!" And then the next day, it's like, "Yeah, it was just it was just reaffirmed." Official. Basically, right. it made it official, right? But it's funny though, because uh, about a week prior, like the day that the CD came out, and we were doing that three shows in one day right. extravaganza, um, we were all before the first show, we were all taking bets on what we thought the first week numbers were going to be, and. Uh, we threw in twenty bucks each. Yeah, we all we all put in twenty bucks, and unfortunately, all of our guesses were about twenty thousand less than what it actually was. Really, Alex said thirty nine. I said thirty nine. Uh, I said forty two. I, th- I think the highest was what forty five or something like that. Yeah. Well, we were we were basing it off of Paramore's Riot sales because that did forty two, and we're like we're probably around the same, like same. Uh, yeah. Bi- I don't know. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. So like we kind of went into it with this mentality that it was gonna do maybe. You know, maybe forty-five, if that. And nevertheless, and we, we did all, thirty first day. None of us right. did. Yeah, none of us did very well with the guessing. I should have been in that pool because actually I have a bet thing going on too, but it's for like ten separate records for the rest really? of the year. Yours, <laughs> yours was the first one that came out that was part of this bet with my How'd friend do? out of Mexico City. I bet um, that the first week was going to be sixty-five. Nice, Ooh, not far. Pretty good. Not far off. Price of rules or price of right rules, though you would have lost. <laughs> price is wrong. One dollar, Bob. <laughs> price $1. is wrong, Bob. Great, great. We're playing by your family's monopoly rules. I see how it is. <laughs> so, Jack, what about you? Where were you? Um, I found out we were doing a Canadian. Bre- uh, it's called Breakfast Television. Yeah, it was the Canadian. Uh, I guess 
What's what's that? Sh- tidbit? No. It's like the Good Morning America. Good Morning America of like Canada. Canada. And I was in the dressing room, and Matt told me, and I was like, I think I was too tired to really react. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was like six in the morning. I was like, oh, cool. We got back on our bus last night, and there's like a bottle of champagne waiting for us and everything, and it never got drank because we're all like still tired as fuck from that first, <laughs> from the three shows in one day thing. Yeah, so, we're still catching up from that. That kicked our ass. So, do you remember where you were, July? Mid July 2007, Warp Tour. Yes, we were yeah, on we Warp Tour. We would have been on the Warp Tour. What was that? What's so wrong? It's right. Yeah. 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 yeah we were, that would. That was our second. Yeah, we we all woke up on the bus to emails. I remember. I remember that day pretty vividly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I woke everyone up. I was like, we did 13, whatever, and I kind of knocked everyone's bunk. Oh yeah, I do remember that. So does yeah. it seem a little weird, or I don't know. I don't want to sound cliche about it, but a little bit unbelievable or that two years later, like how your life, how your career really. It's insane. It's insane. It's really I, crazy. I was just saying to Jack the other day, I was like, all right, our put up or shut up EP's done like 120,000 total now. And I was like, dude, we just did half of that in a week. <laughs> like that took us, you know, like three years to sell that many of the EP. It's like, yeah. what's happening? It's very it's true. so weird. Well, I mean, without, without, you know, trying to like um, purposely make a thing like go. Well, I want to thank our, you know, like make this like a, a Grammy speech. But <laughs> like, but if you could sit there since two thousand and seven of sitting on a warp tour and the bus sweating that thing out to now, can you kind of look back and 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 feel confident that like maybe there was like a couple of key decisions that you guys made. Maybe it was taking a particular tour. Maybe it was the choice of producers. Maybe it was a, a financial decision you guys decided to make where you think it helped you get to this point. If you were to go back and kind of Monday, there's a, there's a couple things. It. I think one of the big things our band looks at is the first tour we did with cute as we aim for and boys like girls a long time ago. It yeah. was the first official tour we did, and it was the first time we actually got fans, I think. Yeah, that was. The, I remember, I definitely remember at that time feeling sort of the the change in, you know, from just feeling like a, a local band that was tagging on shows to actually being a real band and having kids coming out wanting to see us. It was like the week, two, one or two weeks before Put Up or Shut Up came out, mm-hmm. and Cute asked us to tour them, and us and Boys Like Girls switched opening spots <laughs> with Cute and Forgive Dirt and Open, or with Main Support. And that was the actual first tour where every every night was sold out, like 200 kids, and we actually started signing autographs that tour for the first time. Yeah. I remember. That was I, that was, that was actually what I was going to say. That was like the big difference, the autographs. Yeah. It was the first time. We'd all get back to the van and be like, what? Yeah. Because we'd been playing shows <laughs> to like 10- Why are people following me around? Yeah. yeah. We'd been playing shows to like 10 hardcore kids in a room. <laughs> Who were all booing us. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, the good old days. Yeah. yeah. So what else do you think, if you guys could sit there and- and point at particular events or decisions as as a band, as a group, maybe as yourselves individually. Uh, support tours were a big thing for us. Like the boys, like supporting Boys Like Girls, supporting Fall Out Boy, those are huge things for us because before we supported Boys Like Girls, we really couldn't headline or do any of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think I think actually that's one of the things that this band did right. I think a lot of bands jump straight into headlining a little too soon. Mm. And one of the things that we always told ourselves as a band was that, you know, we're never too big to support anyone really mm-hmm. um as long as it makes sense and uh so we've always made a point to um you know rather than telling ourselves you know we need to have the highest guarantees and the nicest bus and we need to do this this and this uh it's always been about you know what tour can we take next that's going to open the door to a bunch of new fans mm-hmm. and um 
I don't know. That's kind of been the mentality of this band from the from the onset, I guess. Also, yeah. I feel like the underwear shot was kind of a big deal. Pivotal, pivotal, pivotal moment. Pivotal moment serious. in the career. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Like, people a, start a to actually. Sells. People were like, "What? Who the fuck is this band?" <laughs> like, because when we took that picture, we were. I don't. I put up a shut up was out. I think, and yeah, it was just before So Wrong and Sorry came out, so not that many people knew, knew us. Put up a shut up had probably sold like twenty thousand. And we took that, that still haunts we t- us. That's yeah, it. we took that picture, and as soon as it released, Haunt like you. it was the first time Absolute Punk had more than a hundred replies to one of our posts. So we were like, oh, shit. haunts us like a friendly ghost, though. Yeah, it's like K- a Casper. Casper. Well, so it's not like one of those things like, oh, I was young and stupid, and no. I did a nude photo no, shoot. No. And, like, <laughs> I think it's one of the smartest things we've ever done. All time lows, Paris Hilton moment. <laughs> <laughs> Your Rihanna moment, right? Um, so it, it, now. Especially now, and I probably should ask this in a year from now, really, <laughs> to make this effective. But I'm still thinking Get to the DeLorean. You, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right, right. Doc. Um, but at this point, over the past year, primarily, um, how have you noticed your lives already changing? Like, Man. like, and we noticed like on 303 already. Okay, so the number one song. In the nation, band's huge. Yeah, so big, they're out on Warp Tour. Big props right? to that band hmm. on Warp Tour, right? They now have the bodyguards. <laughs> they now have um, the band because they're very cool guys, very legitimate. Um, but they are very hyper aware, almost to the point where they're trying to make sure that nobody's trying to make money off of them. Right. So they're watching everything now, we're, and we're they're looking similar. out for those sharks. So is that something you guys are going through too? Is now? Yeah, like eBayers and stuff. Really? Yeah, like every every time we see eBayers at shows, we always kind of stay away. Oh yeah, the, the old eBayer, right? <laughs> exactly. That, that's right, right. that's something that's pretty new to us. Only black ink, never um, never silver. I mean, we I thought it was blue ink. <laughs> silver apparently silver's the one to avoid. They can lift it. Yeah. Okay. okay. I mean, that's we, what I was told. It's weird. We we <laughs> thanks, used to be able thanks, to like <laughs> we used to be able to walk around our shows and like hang out and walk around Warp Tour, but that's not really an option anymore. Which is cool. really yeah. Which is. Cool, I mean, but, it's weird. I don't. Yeah. I don't necessarily. It's. It's. That's the part I don't like. Yeah, it's a little strange. Like, uh, I always. I was always the kid that liked to regularly visit the merch table and see what was happening and stay on top of the show. And I, I like watching bands from front of house too. Like mm-hmm. um, on the Fallout Boy tour, that was one of the the craziest ones because you know obviously they have a huge following and and um, that was the first time we were playing shows in front of like ten thousand or more kids sometimes and. Uh, I remember it was Chicago, and obviously I wanted to watch from front of house. They brought in extra production. They had pyro for that show. It was, yeah. it was ridiculous. And uh, I remember basically having a, like two security guards and Ryan. <laughs> Ryan had to act as my own security guard. Uh, <laughs> with a flannel shirt. It's kind of an ego blow to him. Dude, it was, I don't know, man. Well, he's just, he can like throw his arms around and everybody, <laughs> everybody just runs away. But, uh, <laughs> I had a flannel shirt over my head and like we were like running through the crowd to the soundboard and there was like a line of kids collapsing in on itself just <laughs> following me like a conga line. <laughs> and then once I once I got to the soundboard I had to kind of just duck down and wait for kids to forget I was there because uh and never forget. There was like I would stand up and there'd be like a group of like it was kind of like I had my own show within the show. <laughs> it was like the come see Alex at the sound booth show. It was so embarrassing. And I just wanted to watch Fall Out Boy and then it was it, I I was like bright red behind the sound booth, like stop, stop looking. <laughs> it was awkward. Someone threw a water bottle at me. <laughs> oh well it. then it was punk rock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then it was, it was. you had your no effects moment. So Clearly. You're still legit. Clearly. Um 
so, I mean, obviously you guys are already starting to get, what else have you had to curtail in your life? Anything yet? I mean, are you gotten to that point repeat is where you got, I mean, I haven't seen it, but are you starting to feel like there's more photographers following you around or, um, mm, that was one of the weird ones. Billboard lurkers at LAX. Oh, or yeah. no, not billboard. Sorry. Uh, TV, TV guide. guide channel. We when we again back to that uh, three shows one day thing. We we arrived at the airport in LAX, which was the last stop of the show of the tour thing, and uh, that was kind of the most brutal part of the trip because we we had gone from Virginia, flown to Chicago really early in the morning with no time to sleep. Played at noon in Chicago, and then immediately had to leave to go to LAX, and we had like three hours on the plane to sleep. And we hadn't really slept at all before that. Um, so it's the kind of sleep where you suddenly fall into a really, really deep sleep because it's your body's like, oh, thank God. But then suddenly Matt's shaking you by the shoulders. Matt's our tour manager for anyone who doesn't know. And like Matt's shaking me by the shoulders and going, hey, we're here. Like, time to go. Time and, to play uh, another show. Bloodshot eyes, fucking miserable look on my face, going down the escalator. And sure enough, there's a... Uh, TV Guide channel standing at the bottom of the stairs like, hey guys, what are you doing? And we were just like, fuck me. And uh, that was one of those moments where I was like, damn it, is this like TMZ shit happening right now, really? People were like looking around like, who is this band? Who are these guys? Who are these jackasses? They look miserable. As long as they're not saying that you're one of Jackson's doctors, <laughs> fine. <laughs> All those guys are going down one yeah. way or another. Um, how are you guys, you know, one of the things that doesn't really get spoken about, two things, why don't we were talking about in the car over here, um, the the process, the um, the how much do you guys get involved with uh, staying in direct contact with the bands? Um, I guess customers would be to say. So, some radio station person gives you a break and plays you guys for twenty four hours or something like that. You know, and your manager gets a hold of you and says you guys should send them a thank you note. Or We're super involved guys- with that. How actually, important is that? I mean, because a lot of bands, it's really they don't really understand how, like, well, what's the point of that? That's why my manager does it. We actually, we met the guy, this guy Jay, in Virginia recently, the first day of this tour, and he's the first guy to play Damned, if I do you, on the radio. So we make sure we made sure we, we met with him and thanked him, and we did, like, a meet and greet with some fans for his radio station. So that's super important, because if they don't like you, they're not going to play your music. Yeah, I mean, it's not, the the industry's not about being the most legit band, Let's let's face it. It's about... There's a lot of involvement with connections and, and, you know, who you know and who you schmooze with. (laughs) And uh, it's, you know, for better or for worse, that's just how it is. It's the nature of the industry. And um, at the end of the day, everybody's everybody's in this business because it's it's one of the more interesting ones. And it's one of the more, um, well, it's one of the less defined um, industries as far as relationships go uh, between bands, workers, labels, you know, endorsement companies, radio stations. It's one of those things where in any other industry, it would be very professional emails being exchanged back and forth and maybe a gift basket sent during a fucking business conference or something like that. Whereas here, it's like, um, you know, you have to go out and get wasted with people and party and hang out and be friends with everyone. And um, I mean, it's one of the reasons I love it. I think it's, I think it's, uh, although it gets a little cloudy at times because when it comes to actually finally hate on someone that you've liked for so long, yeah. it's super awkward. It's like, you just fucked me, man. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, besides that, it's, it's really cool when, uh, you know, you can make these, form these relationships with people like at radio and, and, um, people at MTV and stuff. For prime example, the people at MTV who have supported us 
unquestioningly almost. Um, we we're such good friends with everyone there now, and uh, that's I think the. But I mean, obviously the band has had more success, but. I think it's more the the friendship and the fact that we've kept up a good relationship. The same with you guys. I mean, yeah. you know, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be in the magazine as much if if we didn't, you know, know you guys and hang out, I think. Um it, do you still find that you have to even though with that relationship building and so forth that you need to do in order to keep your career moving forward and keep your the band getting access to gigs and and uh radio play and video play and stuff like that? Um, is there a point where you find that you have to stop and take that step back? Oh, sure. And you keep it professional. Start, yeah, where sure. yeah. you start disclosing too much or you oh, start getting too close. Or Absolutely. I mean, there's a fine line, and that's why I was saying it was kind of confusing and cloudy. Um, but I How think do you it, know when you're getting too close? I mean, are there certain things that you guys have done without naming companies and people? Oh, for stuff? sure. I mean, I've... I've I mean, kind of like a circumstance like where like we get really close to a lot of the show promoters mm. because that that's good. That's good to do. They take care of you. You take care of them. But sometimes <laughs> and then like suddenly be, you can't play one club because yes. the other promoter's upset. Right. And, and but like, then you're pissing off the other promoter, and before yeah. you know it, you're not playing a you know a certain festival because <laughs> you played the wrong show and shit like that. So it's, uh, it's so political. what did I say too much? It's <laughs> <laughs> mad freaking out. Um, <laughs> you know, is is there something where you, there's now a point where you guys just certain things within the band's business operation that you just take a step back and you let the manager kind of be the bad guy or the or oh, yeah. somebody. Yeah, I, I'll be the first to point the finger at Keith. <laughs> Fuck you, Keith, if you're listening. <laughs> it's all his fault. <laughs> and luckily, we have someone like Keith to be like, okay, uh, you handle this. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, speaking of which, uh, we played a show in in Jones Beach a couple days ago, um, <laughs> which was in the parking lot, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, the, yeah. We were the first band, well, the first tour to play that stage, and. Um, <laughs> we uh, about two days later received an email from Keith and Ron, our booking agent and manager, um, <laughs> telling us that we we had had fifty parents write in with complaints uh, <laughs> about our about our indecency and, and inappropriate language, and um, that was one of those prime examples <laughs> of of uh, kind of phasing that out onto Keith and being like, "Well, have fun with it." <laughs> but I will I will stand up and say that I. I never once said some of those things that they accused me of saying. Yeah, they said we said twat, and we never said twat. On I stage. would never say twat. On I would stage. never say that. I would. I would only say that in reference to the story because that word's gross. Yeah, I don't like. <laughs> I don't even like the way that word sounds. Like I don't like calling people that word. It's it's gross. How dare they? It's interesting. I mean, you can go the no effects route and <laughs> just purposely, you know, make you know say a bunch of nasty things to some fourteen year old that's sitting in the audience. <laughs> But how do you guys find that? Um, do you even care about that line in your show where you feel like you have to start since it's kind of like Walmarting your right. performance? It is sort of like Walmarting the performance. Then again, this band has never been um, raunchy. I don't think. What? No, no, no. And let me <laughs> what let about me those, let uh, me explain. from last year. Buddy. All right, fair enough. <laughs> raunchy was the wrong word. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take Raunchy back, and I'm going to say this band's never been tacky. There we <laughs> okay. go. There we go. Tacky's right. the word. We, we uh, tastefully use the words cunt and mung um, <laughs> as, much as, as much as possible. But, uh, oh, God. But <laughs> it was we, the neon color. It's, the, was, it's the difference between saying on stage that we love boobs or pointing at a 14-year-old girl and going, show your boobs. We would never exactly. do that. Exactly. Never, ever do that. That's kind of fucked up. But uh, it's sort of... 
we're that we're the court jester that tiptoes that line be- between getting his head cut off and being the best jester in the court. You know, so that's my uh, that's my imagery. <laughs> we've yeah, we've never pointed to like a fan and be like show us your boobs. That's that's pretty fucked up. Well, Jack I mean, has. I have, but, but somebody not- will write in on this. <laughs> She'll be like, she- Jack told me that. <laughs> yeah, and they'll point to like five YouTube links. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Right. Find right. one example of me pointing at one person and saying, "Show me your vulva." Oh my god! Jeez. You won't. You won't. Can I? It's internet. It's all right. We can say whatever we want. It's very true. Just put an eighteen plus. This is starting morning. into like the Howard Stern show. <laughs> yeah, very quickly. Let's get some strippers in here. All right. So why don't we, um, Robin? Let me see how we're doing here. Um, Looks like I knew this would happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's completely. It's, it's degenerated. Into no, this that's already. that's quite all right. God, um, yeah, sometime I'm gonna interview Fat Mike, and I, I'm just waiting. You oh, guys are the warm up for right. it. So. Or Jeffrey Star, I'll be the other side of it. <laughs> um, you said some crazy. Shit. You know what? Let's talk about that for a second. I got a couple more Jeffrey minutes Star. before the first uh, for song break. No, because I was actually talking to Jeffrey's manager last night. We had a really lengthy conversation about him. Sure. And um, and and how they're trying to um, kind of legitimize. 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 Oh, that's <laughs> legitimize. Really good. Um, there's a song title. Um, legitimize him. Yeah. And break him out from the rest of that kind of, as I call it, like the the self celebrity MySpace crowd. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and and it's difficult uh, because the industry or the older crowd or whatever kind of like lump them into that and say, nope, it's all a joke, it's sure. all just shtick, and so forth, so on. But you guys are very, you guys um, represent a generation that. There's nothing the matter with that. You right. know, there's nothing the matter with making a name for yourself and creating your own um, world, I guess, in a certain extent. Yeah. Um, I mean, at its core, it's all it's the same thing. It's the same as it's the same as hustling back in the day. You know what I mean? It's it's having a MySpace and and telling everybody that you're that much better than everyone else, and it actually showing results is the same as going and standing outside rock shows with your CD. With your, yeah, with your iPod and and you know playing it for as many kids as you can. It's the exact same thing. It's hustling. And I think, uh, you know, although a lot of people don't get it and don't like it, I think, uh, you know, people who, who, uh, come across fame that way are just as, for the most part, just as legitimate as anyone else. I mean, for whatever reason it is, maybe you're famous for being hated or famous for being a douchebag or whatever it is. (laughs) But, uh, and I'm not talking about Jeffrey in particular. I'm talking about anyone because I love Jeffrey's awesome. But, um, just in general, it's one of those things where uh, it's a new day and age. You can be a celebrity because of a funny video on YouTube. That's just how it works these days. William I think, Hung. I think the fact right. exactly that was <laughs> right. that was right a little bit before YouTube, but right. I mean that was you know American Idol. He was famous for being a goober, yeah. and um, I just think uh, I think people find problems with it because they want to find problems with it. But it it's uh, at the end of the day, it is what it is, and I think it's it's the same as like I said, it's the same as hustling. Any other t- any other time, you know, it's you, just a different outlet. Do you uh, do you guys feel like yourselves are somewhat judged by that kind of same mentality sure. by some of yeah. some of the, uh, I guess maybe the daily newspaper reporters or you know something like that uh, that are like you know, music used to be better when it was actually played or when it was good or when it was on vinyl or something. Shouted like that. from the tops of soapboxes. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> it's uh. I don't know. I, yeah, we definitely, we definitely um, take a bit of uh, flack for for that. But um, a lot of people, a lot, and a lot of those, uh, as you said, you know, newspapers and and things like that. They don't, 
realize that this band's been um, grinding for six years now, six six and a half years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, since we were freshmen in high school, and although it sounds like a joke, we we were the kids that did poorly in school <laughs> because we cared more about the band um, than we did anything else and uh you know we did the van tours we slept on people's couches we uh we waited outside fallout boy shows to meet them and get our poster signed <laughs> <laughs> while handing out flyers while handing for out our, flyers for for our you're selling it on ebay right yeah, yeah. hell yeah dude. <laughs> silver sharpie <laughs> before pete wised up yeah exactly um i was the guy i do want to talk about high school so why don't we take the music break and then we'll talk about high school so let's take the music break and why don't you guys give me each your song from High school, that was your theme song, oof, your individual oof. theme song. Oh man, I got a good one. Uh, what was the name of the Good Charlotte bonus track that was the theme song to that show? The Innocent. The Innocent. No, no, no. no, no it sorry. was um, the Click. The Click. The Click. Yes, it was, a, it was the yeah. theme song to. Fuck, what was that show called? Graduate. The 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 doesn't matter, but <laughs> that that song by Good Charlotte. God damn it. That was my that undergrad. Was my, undergrad. Undergrad. That's yeah. right. But that was my uh, definitely ninth to tenth grade anthem. Yeah, that was, was just about it. clicks and I guess not giving a fuck. Not giving a fuck. Um, I, I'd have to say <laughs> "Reckless Abandon" by Blink One Eight Two. Okay. Because for some reason, I Blink always came off as like that. You never fucked a chick in a parking lot. I know, but I wanted to, Alex. You never, you never did. <laughs> that That's song what was high just, school's about. It's always yeah. about wanting to do something. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, Blink was like 32 when they wrote that song. <laughs> but, but like it, it, it was it was just about like I feel like Blink's always been 32. <laughs> yeah, it was just about like not What's giving a fuck again? and having fun in high school, and it just I feel like it sounded so much cooler than high school really was. But you know, <laughs> yes, it was like dazed and confused, but. Not but as in cool. song form. When song form.
shock and nothing to hold on to. We'll use this song to lead you on. podcast is sponsored by Epitaph Records, the home to UK pop-punk upstarts You Me at Six, whose debut album, Take Off Your Colors, just received its domestic release. Find out what the English already know, and catch the band on their first ever US club tour, opening the AP Tour Fall Ball from September 24th to November 14th. And fellow Englishman The Blackout, whose debut album, The Best in Town, is in stores everywhere. This screamo pop quintet spent much of their summer rocking Warp Tour audiences nationwide. If you missed them, the unbridled energy on The Best in Town is a fine replacement. The album will provide the killer tunes, but you have to bring your own sweat. For more information on these and other new releases, go to epitaph.com.
so you're standing out in front of Fall Out Boy trying to get them to autograph stuff when you're in high school. You are um, doing Blink-182 covers, doing rehearsal, things of that sort. Now you've got these guys' personal information in your cell phone. <laughs> Um, ten bucks, ten bucks, ten bucks, ten bucks, <laughs> and that's just for one part. Hi, of it. Three, <laughs> one, one. Right, right. So, um, does it, it, when you first got to know these guys, and you got to there's steps that people like that that are up higher, like they slowly bring you into the world. Sure. And yeah. um, you know, first it's the email, then it's the BlackBerry that's really only used for spam, and then right. you know, then eventually you get the personal. Number. I had Gabe's fan line for so fucking <laughs> yeah. long. Gabe, if you're listening, you're an asshole. <laughs> like, I, I still think it was the Fallout Boy tour that he was like, why are you texting me on this number, dude? And I was like, this is the only number I have. And he was like, this is my fucking fan line. <laughs> I was like, damn it, Gabe. Damn you. And he was like, I never answered that. Ugh. And I just called him out now. Everyone that everyone that has that number is pissed. So so is it, it was did you guys go through that? Was there that point where you're just like kind of apprehensive about how... Like you didn't, you don't want to come across like, hey, this is my best bud right now, you know? Because yeah. it's still somebody that you idolize. Well, I mean, when, yeah. we, when we first started talking to Hoppus, he uh, he saw a, a Buzznet video of Ryan getting a blink tattoo, right, right, and then he started with an email. Yeah, he, he posted he posted it on his on the hi my name is Mark com, and we all flip shit. Like that was the first time we, <laughs> that was the first time we knew that Mark Hoppus knew who we were. So like we were running around the bus. This was the boys like girl store. We were running around You're the giving bus. Giving too much screaming. away, Jack. We weren't. We were calm and composed. <laughs> calm yeah, and co- right. In a boardroom. <laughs> and then and then Ryan emailed him that night and he emailed us back the next morning. And that's when we were like, okay, we're like we're starting at the step one. Step one. And then that led to Alex hitting up or Keith hitting up their manager saying we want to write a song with Mark. Which led to us me and Alex going in the studio with Mark and Alex writing a song. But with let's him. go back. You yeah, jumped, yeah. jumped. When did you first talk to him on the phone? Like, did he oh, call yeah. you? Did you call him? He you... called me he and called left Alex. a message on my phone. <laughs> we all crowded around. <laughs> you still have that voicemail? Oh, dude, I wish. <laughs> I would hold it over his head now. Um, but uh, and I'll work for ten dollars, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I remember we we were actually on stage when when he called and i uh he left me a message and when we got off stage i was like no way because yeah. i had his number saved in my phone because keith had forwarded it to me and was like he should be calling and um it was just that was one of those moments where i realized that my life was getting a little bit weirder <laughs> a little <laughs> bit more fairy tale and uh so you know we talked and uh, you know i called him back we talked about doing the writing session and um a few more times uh you know just before we got in the studio and then you know, at the the step that Jack jumped to was us actually getting in a room together for a couple of days, which was, you know, the first day was just a bunch of awkward silence. And then we <laughs> both realized that we liked the same kind of weird jokes and uh, pretty much just loved making fun of um, Chris Holmes, who, Ma- was the, who was the engineer at the Mainly time. Mainly because our jokes derived from listening to Blink-182 records, so... Yeah, it all fit. It all yeah. meshed. Did you, do you remember those first two? I mean, because I've, I've read the stories, like, it all, then we went in the... But, Really, let's get back into the details about that. But like those first two days of awkward silence, so to speak. Yeah, were there times that you guys went home after that, or back to the hotel, or out to dinner, or to drinks afterwards, and you guys are by yourselves without him around, and deep inside yourself, you're going, "Fuck, I'm an idiot. I shouldn't have said that. I sound like an idiot, dude." That uh, there was that video that we posted of when we were working in the studio, and I uh, I said astrology instead of astronomy. And he called me out on it on camera, and we posted it because it was hilarious. But 
that same day I left and I was like, I'm such a dumbass. Yeah. Like, I just <laughs> fucked that up in front of my hero and I'm such a goober. And uh, yeah, that, that was one of those moments and it was caught on film. The last thing you want to do is see, feel like an idiot in front of like someone who you idolize. Yeah, exactly. It's like you you want this person to like take you take you seriously, seriously and take your band you. seriously, and and there you are acting like a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Just out of curiosity, now that you've worked with him and you've hung out with those guys, and and you've did you find out that you were actually playing their songs wrong at all when you were back there? Like, no, we actually <laughs> found out that we played it better than they did. Yeah. <laughs> um, you hear that, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, the 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 best thing about the uh the turn of events now as it as it stands and now that we know you know those guys a little better and and um you know maintain a relationship with with um those dudes is uh, um a little further down the line um i found out that mark's niece i guess is a bigger fan of our band than she is of blink, blink. so that was my that yeah. was my number one accomplishment we hold I that above like, his head i win motherfucker checkmate your days are done that's why that caused the reunion he was like oh no Oh no, we got to get back together. Oh, I see. <laughs> got to show see. these kids up. I see. No, just kidding. It's all a matter of who's been served. Exactly. <laughs> um, this is all just a sick competition to see who's better. Yeah, we'll wait till for Grammys. <laughs> Grammys. We'll see if they get a Grammy. Um, what about? So now that you've been around your idols and you've got to know them and you've been brought into the world, now they've started to share their secrets. Mm-hmm. And they've started not like they're all aliens. <laughs> yeah, not not like you know personal stuff, but like their business secrets. Right. Sure. Like stay away from them. You know, if you talk to Pete anywhere at length, about twenty minutes into the conversation, he starts telling you stuff like, "Oh, don't, don't work with them, man." They're right. Like, you know, <laughs> you know how he is. So, you know, like what sort of like generic, you know, without naming companies and things like that. But what sort of things have you learned from these people about the industry that maybe you did not know? That's or maybe question. that you were naive about, or that you uh, glass was too half full about, or maybe that you one, feel one, more optimistic about. One maybe thing that. Pete always kind of told us was um, to to keep a really good relationship with radio people because that's that's how they're going to play you. Pete knows about that. Yeah, he, he knows <laughs> a lot about about like radio stuff. They did and, all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I can't think of anything too too crazy. I mean, it's really. Um, I've never really sat down and had like that deep like here my son. <laughs> like here are the ways But you know, on. you learn little things as you go yeah, along, yeah, yeah, you know, sure. like um I always know, swap out your merch every so often or you, you know, don't do this or do that, you know. For sure, for sure. I mean, I don't know, it's a little weird, I guess. I guess I spent too much of my time hanging with those guys uh intoxicated <laughs> to really find much out. I don't know. <laughs> um you guys, the 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 current record, nothing personal, is on hopeless still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so now you are the big fish in the small pond, and you get to call the shots, and you have a lot of sway there. And but the next record after this, you're now going upstream over to Interscope. C, correct. Um, if there was a, you know, especially today, there's a lot of talk about. The major label system is in flux, you know. Um, Somewhat. Yeah. Um, some people will say it's transferring, it's molding. Other people will say it's collapsing. Um, it all depends on what the rumor is for the day. Exactly. So 
if there's a reason, though, for a band to go into a label like that, a large label, this is whether it's Interscope or Warner or Island or whoever, <clears throat> give me the reasons that for you guys said, in order for us to do this, we have to go to this route. Well, man, I mean, I think one of the big ones was radio. Yeah. Um, the, and radio and international is who are two of the hugest things when it comes to the difference between an independent label and a, and a major label. And that's, I mean, the main reason for that is, is, um, leverage and also a much bigger staff and an international and relationships staff and just, yeah, just right. years and years of experience. And, and, you know, with our, with our, um, with our new deal with Interscope, it was one of those things where we spent maybe two years. I mean, nobody really knows this, and we did a really good job. A lot, I mean, a lot of people can guess, but nobody actually knows. But we spent the better half of two years um, basically talking to every major label. And trust me, we talked to everyone um, at one point or another. And, uh, you know, six months in, it looked like we were going to be here, and then two months later... You know, that <laughs> completely went to shit for whatever reason. And and that's just kind of the nature of the game. And, and one of the big things that we were striving for out of it all was that um, we've come up with a label who, who uh, you know, was where they were when they signed us, took her chance on us, and we've both grown substantially together. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, um, when we were doing this whole deal and going into the idea and exploring the idea of, okay, should we bring in a larger party to you know, help with these aspects and open these doors that we haven't opened yet. Um, one of the key factors that played into that was keeping, you know, the family that we had in the picture while, you know, bringing in a new, a new party to open these new doors for us. And, and, um, it took a lot of time to get it right for all three parties involved. Um, because one of the biggest things we, we, you know, were against was any one of those parties getting screwed in any way. Mm. Um, because, you know, it wouldn't be right for us to hurt Hopeless. It wouldn't be right for Hopeless to hurt us. And, you know, it would absolutely not make sense to sign a deal with an, a major label that was a bad deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. that's that's one of the biggest things these days, especially with what you said about the way the the way the industry is going and, and the fact that a lot of those major labels are on the fences. And... Um, <laughs> You know they're they're all scrambling to kind of find a, a new way because a lot of the dudes that that are that run these labels are you know have been in the game for years now and they all have this mentality that's you know ten years too old and a lot of them are struggling to catch up with the times and and find you know innovative ways to save themselves basically mm. and uh, when it came down to it um, Interscope uh, Luke Wood um, and and Jimmy at at Interscope um, are some of the smartest dudes when it came to that, and they just had such um, fresh ideas. And um, Luke and Jimmy is, are, are very talented, and they're they're really on top of it. And um, I think one of the reasons that it made sense to partner up was that we felt like they could offer us the right things, and I think they saw in us the same kind of mentality that helped us grow with with Hopeless is because we've taken a lot of initiative and. We a lot of the times some you know a lot of great ideas come from our side of the table, and uh, and at the same time I think um, everyone at Hopeless you know Ian Lewis everyone that's that's worked at at Hopeless on this with us has had some insane ideas that have taken this band you know to the next level numerous times whatever that level was, and uh, I think it's that culmination um, that kind of ended up 
sealing the deal and making it make sense Mm. Um, because it was it's definitely scary you know what I mean like we we went from like you said being the big fish in a small pond to suddenly you know they put us in a new pond and uh, we have no idea what the fuck swims in that pond yeah it's like um, it 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 was uh, kind of the the best bet for us and I, I feel happy that we're we're part of a family that that is kind of co- cohesive now, and mm-hmm. and uh, everybody knows where where we should be going, which is awesome. Well said. I'm done. <laughs> well and said. Scene. Back to fart jokes. <laughs> I got super serious. Um, Dick balls. There we are. <laughs> We're back. We're back. I feel better. I blacked out for a second. Well, one no, I'm going to ruin it again. I'm going to ruin it again, but this is a little bit more fun. So, you know, uh, every single day, you can now get, you can sign up for Twitter uh, following particular, you know, um, experts and bloggers and things and tech people, and they're all about the new things that are coming. And, and um, you know, the, there's uh, there's been now some movement where Comcast on the East Coast is now setting it up so that when you subscribe to Comcast Cable, you'll be able to have and watch live TV on your phone. Um, Welcome to Japan. Well, yes. So, and good point. Very good point. So, come um, on, America, catch up. Exactly. So, what sort of things as you guys, you know, from what you've read, from what you're hearing from people that you know, um, even maybe things that are happening now, maybe it's, you know, the new generation of Pandora or something like that, but what sort of things about technology gets you excited as a musician for your career? Like, holy crap, if this really starts taking off, we're going to be able to do. Well, Twitter is huge for us because we're we're one of those bands that talks to our fans every day in some way or form, and the fact that we can just you do it yourself. There's no ghost person. No, hell no, ghost. hell okay. no. And then, <laughs> hell no. And of course, like the fact that we can just say something and all our fans who are following us can just read it. And, like we'll be at the sign in ten minutes. Or it's very cool to just be that connected to your fans. It's very cool. I think yeah. I mean, technology is. Uh, sort of the defining factor for bands these days and it's it I think it's one of the things that's going to make or break a lot of bands and um it's the bands that are going to embrace the the coming trends um that are going to succeed um but it's the ones that get too attached that are going to get fucked up in the end um it's one of those things how, where how do you mean wait a minute how, how do you well mean? I was let me go on to explain right, that. um no 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 it's cool <laughs> that's okay please man no, just give me a chance up. the bands that embrace the uh the technology are the ones that are going to succeed and what I mean by that is the ones that move with the times um, but move fluidly and don't uh, don't get too wrapped up in any one thing are the bands that are truly going to succeed. If you f- believe that MySpace is, is the future of bands or Stickam is the future of bands or Twitter is the future of whatever, you're totally screwed because um, they're all trends. They're, go- co- they're going trends. And it's like, you know, YouTube... It's a reason... There's MySpace a reason is already why, dying. With the, with exactly. The there's a reason why, um, you know... People look at our our Twitters now more than they look at our our MySpace page. It's it's whatever's more instant, whatever's cooler, whatever's faster, flashier, and uh, eventually we're all just gonna have microchips in our brains, and it won't matter because every I'll just be able to call, you know, the sixty five thousand kids that follow me on Twitter or whatever it is, and it, they'll get like a little screen in their head, and I'm just like, hey, it's me naked in the shower, touching myself, and then you'll get arrested, and then I yeah. go to prison. <laughs> And that's what I meant when I said that's the downfall of band. <laughs> it all comes around with you, doesn't it? It just, really it, does. Really I just, tie it all together I, I, I in an immature you way. You were really leaving breadcrumbs for me. And I, <laughs> you what, follow? Yes, try. <laughs> where, 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 I mean, you guys, I mean, you know, Jackie got, Alex, you got the label, and, and, and Jackie, you're so heavily involved with everything that the band is doing. Um, what, what is, 
what if you guys had to make if you if you could play um I guess like you have on the shows on cable networks, you know, the political pundits and they and they always start off with, Well, I think what's gonna happen. So if you had your moment right now to say what I think is gonna happen in technology, the trends, like you were saying, like MySpace right. things, what do you think is gonna happen? Jeez. Just oh, fuck. Like uh, just, just curiosity. I mean, yeah. seriously, I mean, you know, Damn. there is a lot of talk of MySpace is you know, you're going to start seeing a trend away from my, from bands having their own, all their website stuff just on MySpace. Now we're going to go back to bands having websites again. Yeah. You know? For sure. Um, man. Huh. I really, I have trouble predicting what's going to happen. Um, mostly because I have trouble looking a week in advance of my own life. Um, <laughs> I don't, it's sort of what I meant when I said uh, that the bands that survive are the ones that move fluidly with everything. Um, I think, in my opinion, one of the smarter things to do isn't to, you know, try and be, I, I don't like to try and set the trend. Mm. Um, I'm not, I'm not a Pete Wentz. I can't think that far ahead. Um, I'll leave that up to him, but I'll be the first goddamn person after he does it <laughs> to, to be, steal his idea. To be doing it. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> that sounded so shitty. Um, what I mean is that, that, uh, there's a, there's a way to move through all of these, you know, ingo ingoing and outgoing trends and, and, there's a way to do it um, in a healthy way that doesn't compromise who you are or who you represent, um, and you know I think that's more important than being the, the innovator. Something something I think that is huge is bands going out after shows. You you can't be a band really anymore and draw kids to shows if you're not going to go out and sign after. Kids just aren't going to come out and see a band that they're not going to meet. It's true. I always say that the the whole um, the rocks the idea of the rock star the the iconic figure that you can't ever touch um it's dead it's, it's safe to say that the only reason why we draw as many kids as we do live isn't because of radio because we've never had radio is because we actually like meet almost everyone we we play to yeah i mean it's be, it's become more of a with this band especially i think it's become um one of those things where the kids aren't just going for the music I they mean, don't even like our music <laughs> they the, <laughs> clearly they buy this clearly they buy the record and can listen to it as much as they want or you know they have the record somehow i guess but um I think, you know, the reason why we continue to draw like we do and, and we continue to have such, you know, fun shows and, and the reason why kids stand behind this band, I think, is because uh, it's more than just coming to watch the music. It's, it's you're coming to walk away with a T-shirt that means something. You're coming to, you're coming to um, see a bunch of bands that we support openly. You're coming to probably meet us after the show or if you got a meet and greet, you know, have one-on-one -on -one time or anything like that. And it's just... Uh, you know, our meet and greets are never behind a table, um, unless it's a hot topic because those stores are small. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just one of those things. We always try to to keep it as real as possible. We don't deny the fact that we're normal people. And and once you get to that point where it's like, oh geez, there's 150 kids in this meet and greet. We need a table. Um, although I've said it, <laughs> I take it back as soon as I see the crowd of kids, um, because generally they they. I think everyone walks away from an experience like that feeling like they truly got something out of it. And, you know, when they listen to the CD again, it means more to them. Is there anything that a fan does that disrespects you? Uh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, like? um, it's, well, it's, that's actually, it's funny that you say that, especially, you know, because every now and then you'll, somebody will jump in a mosh pit, right? Or they'll, they'll jump into the crowd, they'll do the crowd surf, the lead singer will go in or something that, and they'll come back out. And then the first words when they got over it, they grabbed my, you know, and you know, and, like, and they, that's you know, a daily occurrence for Jack. <laughs> Seriously, I go in the crowd almost every day, and I really, 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 really despise them. People try to steal my shoes. 
Like that's like the kind of thing where like they're probably like, oh, he can just go buy a new pair. Like, yeah, but those are my shoes. Like, yeah, how like, would you feel if like I went and tried to steal your shoe? You know what I mean? It's it's signings. I've had people try. I wear beanies constantly. I've had people try to rip them off my head. And uh, in Australia, some girl tried to take my phone out of my back pocket. And I was just like, come on. Yeah, it's, like, like, it's ballsy. It's crossing the line, people. It's like we're here because we want to meet you and we like you and we want to try and like be friends. But damn, don't steal from me. That's illegal. <laughs> this shit's whack. Dude. <laughs> oh, that is whack. <laughs> I don't know. It's just I don't uh, care if they grab my dick, but just leave my shoes alone. <laughs> <laughs> Let me keep my possessions. I don't know. And like, I, I guess it, that's one of the things that definitely bums me out. Another is when people... Uh, and it goes back to, you know, using the internet and stuff like that. Sort of, um, there's a fine line between being interested in a band and then stalking. Um, <laughs> stop calling my parents' house, please. Yeah. I'm sorry, Mom and really? Dad. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a problem. He doesn't even live there anymore. I don't live at that house, so you're not going to find me. <laughs> what else do they do that causes... I mean, what else are they doing that you find they're stalking? I mean, are you... Man, oh. Uh, they following you into the bathroom? No, they, no. It's it's never been anything creepy or dangerous. Um, just things like, you know, hitting up our friends, um, which is just a little... It feels a little invasive. Um, things like that. And, uh, you know, people showing up at my parents' house and then having to hear about it the next day. I'm like, yeah, these, like... Three girls showed up with their dad. And I'm like, who the fuck's the dad? To be like, yeah, I'll take you to this random stranger's house to get an autograph. Enabler. You're an enabler, sir. (laughs) And that's wrong. Your daughter's going to be crazy. We're going to take the second song break. A couple more questions to wrap this up. Um, Let's (laughs) Off the new record. Um, I I, I ask this question a lot. Because it's it's really, I find it's, um, from a fan, you you start to take a look at how a song gets procedurally put together and how it morphs. Is there any of the songs, because you had numerous producers on this record, um, uh, is there any of the songs that went in in one version and by the time you guys got done with it, it was something completely different? I would love to play you the original version of Dear Maria Come. <laughs> I wish I had. That. So not even off this record, but the no, original oh, version of no, I mean, Sick, it, Sick Little Games was like a techno song almost. Well, that, was, like a, was, that like a, was just sort of... Yeah, that kind of plays into the fact that the way this new record was written was kind of uh, different. Um, we didn't write the record as a full band in a room. You know, a lot of it was me demoing and playing stuff for them. And Alex and, would write like a chorus on GarageBand and just have that chorus. Yeah, and then once we got in with the producer, we'd, we'd finish it. Um... And uh, sick little games, yeah. It it started out as some weird fucking like little Mario image and like heat keyboard. slash Mario keyboard techno ballad. And, then and but, it was Butch, strange. And Alex like, showed it to Bush and Butch, and he was like, "Wow, this is really cool. We can make this an actual song, not a fucking <laughs> not a Mario <laughs> techno ballad." <laughs> yeah, no, they, it's funny. I would actually one day I would love to release a couple a couple songs. What um, was the original version of Dear Maria like? Man, the chorus was completely different. Oh, yeah. Um, Do you remember any of it? Yeah, it was something like, uh, it was, I got your picture, I'm coming with you, dear Maria, dear Maria, count me in. There's a story at the bottom of this bottle, and I'm the pen. You spin the verse, I've got you covered on the hook. Just take a look at all the lights in this town, they'll drown you out. Or something yeah. like that. The lyrics were completely different. and I, It only came to mind because Ryan was playing it. He's like the only one that still has all that stuff. And... Uh, he was he was playing like the demo versions of of songs and it's just funny to see how they transform, um, and and funny how uh, how little I realized about songwriting back then. 
it's just like, man, this chorus just isn't catchy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I forgot it already. Damn it. All right. And so then the second song, uh, like you guys suggest, is the song that you love a lot, but for whatever reason, you can't play live. Vegas. Yeah. From, from So Wrong, let's, It's Right. Let's, let's do a Nothing Personal one. Oh, Nothing Personal? Um, well, we wouldn't really know yet, because we haven't tried yeah. half the songs. Um, yeah, it could be, this one could be off song? any record, what's too. What's the song so? oh, yeah. that you could not play live from Nothing Personal? I think Hello Brooklyn for me. Yeah. I really like that song, but it gets a lot of hate. <laughs> it's really? Not, it's not even that. I, like, I would play it, but uh, I just don't know if it would translate well. Yeah. But the biggest one that I've always said, and it's it's so weird, but kids love this song, and I always get asked why we don't play it live, but we just refuse to play it live, and uh, it's it's Vegas. Yeah. Like, we have never played it live. We've tried it and hated playing it. Yeah. Why? I don't know why. It's just one of those songs that doesn't translate well live. Like, we... We recorded it, loved the song, and then, you know, we were like, maybe we should throw this in a set. And we played it, and we were like, this is just weak. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, we should just play Shameless or something. I don't know. There's just some songs just don't come across well live. So, you're never going to hear it. <laughs> never. <laughs> you taunt. I do. Check, check, check. Hey, oh.
school see see again read some bunch of stuff about your stuff but really seriously what were you guys both like in high school <laughs> uh which grade 
Yeah. Just give me. I mean, you know, you started the band in two thousand three, three ish to to oh two oh three ish there. So, what were you like then? Let's begin. High school, I have to say, eighth grade. You came from a private school. I did, but that was middle. I, I left seventh grade uh, from from uh, St. Paul's, um, transferred to the school that Jack was at, Ridgely, middle. Um, spent my eighth grade uh, in a public school, which is in kind of an insane time now that I look back to change from a private school to a public school because yeah. that's the age, I guess, and it's scary to think, but that is the age when kids are starting to, learn about everything wrong in the world yeah and uh right so i came i came from this you know like christian um middle school that was pretty conservative well very conservative and and uh you know it wasn't like i was blind to the world but when i got to to public school and and kids were like so are you gonna hang out with the the preps or the skaters and i was like what the fuck does that mean (laughs) Like all I all I, I know are the kids bloods that, of the crypt. Yeah, yeah, all right. I know are kids that wear khakis and ties. Like that's all I'm. Alex, Alex used to think I was a badass because I used to wear those hot topic shirts that had like a kid like letting us fart on fire. He had a shirt like, that said "Tell your girlfriend." I so said, Alex, Thanks. in a way, like, you were butters. I was butters. was butters. I was totally butters. And I was fucking Cartman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, Jack, Jack was the, the skinny version of Cartman. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, dude, I was, I was. It was a scary time, but it also gave me a chance to. Uh, to kind of f- start again, which I at the time needed. We were hot topic kids, really. Not yeah. at first. Not at Did, first. Is that where you really hung out? Yeah, yeah. Jack? Me and Alex used to stay at hot topic for like five hours, just sit there. <laughs> yeah, when I when I started which hot topic, which one? The one in Towson, another hometown. Okay, it yeah. took me. Is there a mall, a particular mall? Yeah, yeah. yeah Towson, Towson Town Center. Towson Town Center. You know, is it still there? They kept it. Open yeah, we just had a signing uh, last oh, week. Oh, you go back there again? Right. Yeah, that was. You guys of... never worked there? No, no, no. Okay, we weren't old enough. Where did you guys work? Like, what were your first jobs? Um, I worked at Rita's Italian Ice with Ryan, and he just kept getting promoted, and I kept staying at the bottom. <laughs> Jack just continued to mop the floor. And then I left Rita's Italian Ice to work at TCBY with Zach. You, you really like uh, Sell out. ice cream yeah, and I'm stuff. An, I'm an ice cream kind of guy. This, this band has a, I mean, three-fourths of this band have an ice cream <laughs> frozen yogurt background. Really? Yeah. yeah. What else? Zach, Zach just, was it? We, well, Ryan, right? Ryan worked at Rita's, Zach worked at TCBY, I worked at both. Jack Jack was a flip flopper, <laughs> and then I worked at a speaker company. <laughs> yeah. Now my my uh my dad um worked for this company called Polk Audio, uh which was like a home entertainment car audio thing. So I I got an a paid internship, uh because of my connections. Um, I stayed there for about two months and then was like, this is fucking miserable, and I quit. And <laughs> that's um, the only job. <laughs> that's the only job I've ever had. I was pretty much I was, I think if I wasn't doing this, I would be. Either dead, <laughs> or homeless, or, or homeless, or or the East Coast regional manager for for, or, hot, for hot topic, for hot it's, topic. Yeah, <laughs> I was I mean, gonna say for for audios, car audio. Right. See, I don't I don't know if I could do it. It's just ever nothing interested me. I used to be an umpire this. too. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like for like the city or something like that. No, for like uh for like the the rec not the rec center like for youth like the youth <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 league yeah. little league. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. so bad. So, do you, so, so when you watch, do you watch baseball now still? And yeah, you, a little you, bit. A little you kind of sit there and go, "That guy's full of crap." And <laughs> Jack's like, "Strike!" No, I mean, I was in like eighth <laughs> Co- grade. Coach is oh, like, so he you didn't throw the ball." My first paycheck was ten dollars. I remember that. Nice. Yeah. Serious money. Serious fucking money. Serious money. But uh, in high school, like we were the the beginning years of high school, we weren't that cool. No, we weren't at all. That's what I was saying. They were formative years, and uh, I think me and Jack between ninth, or, yeah, ninth and eleventh grade. 
turned from that awkward hot topic kid that like wore Jinko jeans and, yeah. and a sideways baseball hat and like a huge chain around your neck. Yeah. Uh, and have you to- have you paid people off not to release those photographs? <laughs> there's a couple of them have been released. There's like, actually a picture hair. of Jack with blue hair and like big like parachute shorts with Fuck. straps on <laughs> standing in his front yard. Um, Damn it. Which is an awesome picture. <laughs> but uh, it kind of went from that for me to suddenly really liking Bob Marley and just wearing hem necklaces and Bob Marley shirts to wearing tight jeans and uh, black t-shirts. And it happened in about eight months. Yeah. Whoa. No, no, no. Year and a half. Wow, you went seasonal. That was like the Fall Out Boy early November drive through era when we started to get like all emo pop punky. We figured out what this weird ass scene was. And it was about, was it about that same time when you guys started morphing was about when you started doing band rehearsal and things at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't when you were doing, because I've read some things like, Alex, you were, that you are you were still in this kind of this hemp phase while the band started. Yeah, I was. Yeah. All right, okay, like yeah. it's that's when the band started, and uh, I was always like, "Do we have to play Blink One Eighty Two? They're such sellouts." Yeah. <laughs> I actually, Alex hated Blink One Eighty Two when we I started. Did. This band. Right, I've read that. I did. Yeah, and I, I I got him to listen to to the Mark Tom and Travis show, their live record, yeah. and he heard it. And he was like, "These guys are fucking hilarious. Like, we have to do this. Like, we have to." No, you also and you showed me. Uh, we watched riding riding in cars with boys, riding in vans with boys. Riding, yeah, that's what it was. Not the fucking Drew Barrymore movie. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the the tour DVD. What was the band? Cut, Cut you, you up. up. Cut you up. Did like this documentary of uh, them touring with Blink. Touring with Blink, but Blink was in it a lot. Yeah, and we we saw it and we we're like, wow, like this is fucking this is great. So that's that was the pivotal moment. So when did, like when did you know you guys were actually now the cool ones in school? Was there a moment like <laughs> dude? Senior, we, we got senior year. We got like, you guys got stuff. You stopped getting beat up or something, or we were, we were never that 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 lame. <laughs> we were always kind of just like the kids that we hung out. The cool kids, like we hung out with anybody, but we were never the cool kids, and we were never the kids that got beat up. We were just sort of some weird little interdimensional creature that would sort of like exist, but wasn't really. <laughs> we still there. did hang out with like the like the the jocks per se. Like we actually did hang out with them a lot and stuff. Yeah, by senior year, uh, senior year was awesome for me. Like that—that's kind of when cool. I came out of my shell and was just like, "Hey, I can hang out with everybody." Um, and that was the time that uh, you know we got signed. And and I think did you guys get, did you guys get signed before you graduated? Yeah, yeah, February uh, Valentine's Day of our senior year. Okay, so how did that news go through the high school? Like, no one, how, like, no one gave a shit. No one, <laughs> no one gave it really. Nobody knows. Nobody in our school really knew what it meant. Nobody, like nobody got it because until like people just now are realizing that we've right. actually done something with our lives. Like, now is when I'm getting the text messages that they were that sat, like, they were sat in biology with you. Oh, right, dude, exactly. bro, I saw you on MTV the other day. I saw you on Comcast on demand. That's Can I crazy. get like five guest list tickets now? <laughs> yeah, like you want to hang out? I'm like, fuck, man. But uh, no, like when we first got signed, um, you know, I was still going and sitting in class and being like, hey, guess what? Just got a record deal, and they're just kids like, are like, "Fuck you!" I'm trying to go to like, college. They're like, "No, you didn't." They're <laughs> just like, "Damn it!" <laughs> like, all right, fair enough. And I would just leave, put my head down, fall asleep. Me and Alex used to skip a lot of class actually in senior year. We did. We actually we had we had school set up so that after eleven fifteen, how do we get away with this? Yeah, I know it's really crazy. Awesome. There's something in our school called work study where after you go for the first four periods, then you right. go work, and we somehow convinced our guidance counselors that our the band, band was work. Was the job. So the second half of our senior year, the second half of the day, we were just going and having band practice. We spent leaving school, going to Chick-fil-A. Yes, every going, day. Going home, playing video games for about two hours, and then going to band practice. And going to band practice. At the time that school would let out, <laughs> roughly. And your parents were totally cool. Well, yeah, because that was when that started happening, that was when we were also talking to labels. 
and um, because the you know the work study program was what it was, and uh, I guess the the lady that ran it was awesome, and she was like, no, they're still gonna pass. They, you know, this still counts as a college cre- or as a credit towards you know everyone's diplomas and everything. So like, even though our parents were having doubts about whether we should be doing the band or, or going or applying to college and whatnot, it wasn't really negatively affecting anything. Mm. Um, even though it seemed like all we were doing was just going home and, and we still applied to college like me me Alex or me Ryan and Zach did yeah yeah I, I didn't didn't <laughs> but uh <laughs> you're always the oddball <laughs> you guys left out tell me about it but uh no they all they were all accepted to colleges so two more questions we're done one is mm-hmm. you're, you're talking about Alex about your parents they didn't really accept the idea I mean that's how it always is with musicians sure you know, they start abandoning it but my parents were probably the most supportive yeah when did when did you know Enablers. that either one of your parents that moment where they were either was a look in the eye or it was a gesture they did or something that they said in an email or phone call where you felt for once they approved. I I was walking home from school and I saw my parents on top of a mountain and the sun was behind them so they were silhouetted and my dad's head was turned slightly to the side but I could tell he was acknowledging me and he just nodded silently and that was the moment I knew. I honestly I don't think my dad finally accepted it until I, I appreciate your honesty <laughs> opening up about yeah. that by the way. Yeah. I don't think my dad accepted it until I got my first paycheck from the band because his big thing was me being being able which to Which was $3. Yeah, which was being able to financially support myself in the future. That was his his worry. And uh, huh. as soon as like we got our first paycheck which was probably really small. Jack's the baby. In, yeah, in, I am the in baby a family in the, band, of... in the family. And so my dad was saying, like, okay, like maybe we can turn this into something. You know what I mean? Invest uh, in glorious in, mutual funds. Seriously, Alex, when was it? Um, for me, I think the uh, when it was actually. Well, I was sort of the kid in senior year that was just like I told my parents I was like clearly I have not done very well in high school for the past two years. I don't really give a damn about this place. Um, the fact of the matter is, I I kind of want to take my chances. And when. Results, I guess, started showing up, and and you know we had a contract from Hopeless, and and um, you know pretty much just before signing it, my parents were like, "Fine, do it." <laughs> like this is, you know, it's they they were the first to acknowledge that it's an opportunity that doesn't come up very often for very mm. many bands, and um, they were just like, "You know what? You're young. You can always go back to college. If anything." Touring for a couple of years will probably overshadow that your GPA was a one point four, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> You uh, you might get in somewhere, <laughs> and if not, there's always community college. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> right, uh, right. And if that doesn't work, you're you're going over to the yogurt shop. Yeah, <laughs> going to TCBY, baby. With me. So, last question. Here we are. Yeah. Um, and this isn't meant to be like a sellout question, but there is a point in a band's career if they're successful, they start becoming successful, where they get those the bigger paychecks sure. coming in finally. And it's maybe it's a guarantee of a series of shows in a row or a tour or it's a sponsorship deal or something like that. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're sitting there, your bank's been overdrawn all this time, you're living on nothing, and then all of a sudden you've got a splurge of money and you want to go buy everything. The, well, no, the one thing that you like, your guilty pledge, like, I, you know, I've always wanted this. So can you guys, each of you, like, describe what that one thing yeah. was that you went, <laughs> the first thing you bought, it's like, I now, I, yeah. Well, Ryan bought a car. Yeah, me, um... We, luckily, our parents are very intelligent and uh, bestowed good uh, a good sense of, you know, not to be frivolous in all of us. And um, I didn't, we actually were pretty, pretty reserved about spending any money until it actually made sense to do so. Um, so Just to show what kind of person I am, the first thing I bought was mutual funds. 
Yeah, exactly. Like all of us, we it's <laughs> everyone it's, like <laughs> you know we the first couple things we did like were set up retirement plans and yeah. and just crazy things that you know twenty year olds aren't supposed to do. Um, but when there finally was enough money, you know, around um, to do things like me and Jack just recently bought houses, um, and that was kind of the the first really important thing that we we you know felt like we should do. Um, because that's one of those things that can't really bite you in the ass. Um, and if all of this, you know, ends tomorrow, I, I have something I can sell, <laughs> I guess. And, uh, or at least a place to live. And, um, <laughs> I, I think the sec, the, the big splurge for me was, uh, Ryan and I bought cars, dream, like dream cars, which was, um, what'd you buy? I have a Range Rover and, and I'm very proud of it. And I got a scuff on the leather seat. I, I still so do. Mad. I still do not own a car, but <laughs> I will one day. Yeah, you have a free one. That's true. I, dr- I drive my mom's Honda. But you can you can give out the best mutual fund advice to everybody. That's yeah. true. Exactly. And my and my best friend is a financial going to be a financial advisor. So you know, there's yeah, a side that. business here. Right. I see a spinoff. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you join Warp Tours, set up a little stand in front of the bus. <laughs> <laughs> financial <laughs> advice from Jack Barrett. It'll look like peanuts. The dude you know, from a, the dude out. from Atari's was giving guitar lessons. You're giving financial advice. This could this could be a new thing for everyone. <laughs> it's, there's always a possibility, guys. I wish you the best of luck with everything. With Thank this, you. I think it's uh, a year from now. You're not even going to talk to me. Um, <laughs> you damn right. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Just, uh, just you know, seriously, take care of yourselves and best of luck with everything. Thanks Thank for you. having us, dude. Okay, Thank you. Cool. AP Podcast has been sponsored by Epitaph Records, featuring new releases from Set Your Goals, Frank Turner, You Me at Six, The Blackout, and more. For more information on all Epitaph news, release schedules, and exclusive videos and merch, point your browser to epitaph.com. AP Podcasts are recorded at Lava Room Recording Studio in Cleveland, Ohio, a New York City quality studio at Cleveland Prices. Check out www.lavaroomrecording.com. For more information on Alternative Press Magazine, go to www.altpress.com. The podcast engineer is John Walsh. Post-production assistance from Rob Tenzi. I'm Mike Shea, and this is all my fault. You can reach me directly at www.myspace.com slash Mike Shea AP. That's S-H-E-A like the stadium, AP. 